last week it was the fear of exposure. Today we're going to be looking at the fear of rejection. And next week we'll be looking at the fear of physical harm. Um, Okay, so, so where would we find our identity in meeting? We define ourselves by the relationships, the positions, the income, the possession, and the experiences that we have. As we think about where we find our identity in meeting, we also find the places where we're most sensitive to rejection and the approval of others. In the book, When People Are Big and God Is Small, Ed Welch says, closely related to the fear of people, Will ex- uh, I'm sorry, closely related to the fear that people will expose us is perhaps the most common reason we are controlled by other people. They can reject us, they can ridicule us or despise us. They don't invite us to the party, they ignore us, they don't like us, they aren't pleased with us. They withhold acceptance, love or significance that we want from them and as a result we feel worthless. So I need to share a story with you. For the first uh, two or three years that I worked for IBM, I worked on $5 million mainframe computers. And I quickly ascended the ranks there, uh, debugging hardware for IBM. And I became a floater, which basically allowed me to go anywhere on the test floor to help people that were struggling in debugging their machines. And I did that because I wanted the respect of all my peers. While there's nothing wrong with working hard and gaining that respect, I did it out of pride because I wanted people to respect me and look up to me. So even, even then, I could see how pride was working in my life all the way back then. So let me just stop and ask you a question. If someone was to come up to you and ask you, what is it, uh, how, how would you describe yourself? Like, what would you say to a person if a person was to ask you to describe yourself? An old person. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that one, Dean. <laughs> what was that? What's that? I, I missed that. Conservative. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Conservative. Quiet. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Beverly. Opinion. Okay. Yeah, by their professions. Yeah, relationships. Yep, professions. Yep, that is the way that we. That those are the ways that we define ourselves. Yes. Yep, that's good. Okay. Yeah, person. Yes, and also personality traits. Correct. Yep. Good. Good. Okay, so I just once got finished telling you a story about my pride and the way it affected me at work. Let me also share with you the same example is rooted in spiritual pride. In the context of church, I sometimes think things like, if I'm called upon to serve, I'm not really good at public speaking, as you all know, but <laughs> and what if I don't do it well? And I, ask, and I also ask myself, is, is if I get asked to do it, do it, my immediate thoughts go out to, what will people think of the way I perform my task? And if I don't do it well and drop the ball, what will people think? And also in regards to church, I can see the same desire for titles 
that I had back in my professional position also filling my heart. I can see things like I serve as an elder, a small group leader, a course seminar teacher. My heart is very clever at this point because it recognizes that there's a great irony in being puffed up about being a servant, so I don't brag about myself. Instead, I fish for compliments. I put myself down, or I minimize what I'm doing, <laughs> in the presence of those who quote-unquote know better, in the hopes that they will properly correct what I say. The fear of rejection and the desire for acceptance is one of Satan's most significant ways of undermining what it means to be a Christian, for it goes directly against what Christ has said, that we should deny ourselves and follow him. The Puritan Richard Baxter, in directions against inordinate man-pleasing, speaking nearly 350 years ago, could be speaking to us today about the bankruptcy of living for the acceptance of other people, when he says, and I paraphrase, Remember that you choose a life of unquietness and continual irritation if you place your peace and happiness in the goodwill or word of man. The pursuit of this impossible task will be a life filled of torment, uh, a life filled of torment to engage yourself in such a struggle when you are sure to be disappointed, to make something your goal that you cannot attain, to find that you strive in vain and daily meet with displeasure instead of approval. This is a very difficult life. You are like one that lives on top of a mountain and yet cannot endure the wind to blow, or like him who lives in the woods and yet is afraid of a shaking of a leaf. You dwell among the world of the selfish, contradictory, changeable, unpleasable minds, and yet you cannot endure their displeasure. The people will murmur at you, and those that are most incompetent and incapable will be the ones to censor you the hardest and think that they could have done a much better job than you. Are you pastors or teachers? You will seem too rough to one person and too smooth to another. You'll be called too rough by one man when you correct his faults, but he will criticize you for being too easy when you correct another. No sermon that you preach is likely to be pleasing to all your hearers, nor are any of your ministry works. So this makes perfect sense to us as Christians. We can, then we should be able to easily turn from fearing the opinions of others, their rejection or lack of acceptance, and walk in fear of the Lord, Right? Well, not quite so easy. Why is this? Because people, reject, because people do reject us. Our experience tell us that there is something to fear or at least be careful about. People reject us because of the things we say and do, because of the things related to who we are. It's not always outright rejection. It's sometimes not accepting us as much as we desire. Think about how you have been rejected or felt rejected or not approved in the last month, the last week, even today. So I'll ask you another question. What are some of the ways that you have been rejected or felt rejected in the past? I know it's difficult stuff. You don't like to think about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been rejected. <laughs> you know, at work, we play a group effort. It's a significant thing. Someone stands up and doesn't acknowledge. 
It hurts. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No one else feels rejected, right? <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, like even in a family situation, you know, when some you know, people have to make choices on where they can spend their vacation time, and you've been asking them to come out for a long time and they don't come out, I mean, even that could feel like a, a form of rejection. Mm. Yeah. You know, people that you love, that you want to spend time with, and then they can't come spend time with you. Well, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll never forget when I was growing up in high school, Bell-bottom blue jeans were the in thing back then, and my <laughs> wow, I'm so glad that fad died out. Like <laughs> my mother was very fashion conscious, so she always bought clothes for us boys, and so she bought me this pair of blue jeans, and they had the largest bell on the bottom of that pants. And when you'd walk, these things would change colors, man. And 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 my mother, I had to wear them to high school, and you know when you're constantly, you're like so conscious of everyone around you. And I'm, here I am walking around this, this high school, knowing that everyone is looking at me and laughing at me. I mean, I felt like such a fool. And it's like, I just had to wear them, though. I couldn't, I couldn't my, my, you know, because my mother was family would have been hurt if I didn't wear them. But it was, I mean, yeah, feel about being rejected. That's... <laughs> Those babies went in the garbage a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I can get rid of them, I get rid of those things. <laughs> Okay, let's face it though, re- re- uh, rejection hurts. It, yes? Oh, I'm sorry, Nikki. Um, I was just thinking not getting a job that you were from for the mm. That's something that I've experienced. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Okay, let, uh, let, um, let's face it, rejection hurts. It doesn't feel good to receive a, dis- a disapproving comment for a friend or a sense of not quite satisfying your parents' expectations of you. The purpose of this sex se- session is not to encourage you to put on a good face and endure the hardship. Rejection hurts emotionally and psychologically. But our purpose as Christians is not first to find our foremost, uh, foremost about, our fe- about feeling right. It's about being right with God and about believing right and then finally living right. This is the key difference between the way Christians face the fear of rejection and the way the world deals with this fear. The world seeks to cope with this and treat the symptoms. The Christian recognizes that the symptoms are real, but changing the symptoms apart from the core problem is is vain and ultimately damning. So let's move to the second point in the handout. How do we manifest the fear that other people will, will, will reject us? One way is... Concerns about our personal characteristics causing us to be, to, causing us to fear being rejected. We fear rejection because of our personalities, our education, job title, socioeconomic status, gender, race, experience, relationships. We change your personality because you think people will like you better. You seek after a certain degree or job title so that you'll be accepted. You fear discrimination because of your race or gender. You fear being rejected by certain people because of the friends that you've chosen. You fear rejection. You you fear your fear of rejection is manifested by an overwhelming desire for approval. The greater the expectation and the desire for approval, the greater will be the fear of rejection as those expectations are not met. 
Do you think you must... Oh, oh I, missed, I skipped the page here. Sorry. Think about whose approval you're currently seeking or couldn't imagine to live without. Fishing for compliments is another manifestation of the fear of rejection. Fishing for compliments is a subtle way that we show that we fear rejection from others. This is the way I often find myself struggling. I love to receive praises from others, and I attempt to appear humble rather than to be humble. So how do we go fishing? Lou Priolo, in his book, People Pleasing, gives several ways. By intentionally putting ourselves down with the hope that others will correct or disagree with us, by constantly asking for assessment or critique in the hope that it will result in praise, by bringing up subjects that will lead to your being praised or trying to keep those subjects from being changed, and by praising things about others that you see in yourself with the hopes that they will be reciprocated. Yet Proverbs 25:27 tells us that it is, not, uh, it is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glory to search out one's own glory. Perfectionism is another manifestation of the fear of rejection, a need to be the very best at everything that you do. I must be involved in everything, and I must be the best person involved in each of those things. Or you overextend yourself to give yourself an excuse for being less than excellent. You say to yourself or you say to others, I could have been better, but I, ha- but there has to- but I have to prioritize. I see this in my own life. It becomes easier for me to deal with rejections when I feel I didn't give it my 100%. Going along with the crowd is another manifestation of the fear of rejection. We demonstrate our fear of rejection in the, in the clothing that we wear. What will he or she think if I'm wearing a brand or, or not wearing this brand or dress or not dressing in the latest fashions? Now, men, some of you can serve us better in this area of fear of man. <laughs> but seriously, do you find your identity in clothing? And what about modesty? Do you, do you think you, you must dress a certain way, even if it's a little bit more revealing, in order to attract the attention or approval of others? One of the most common experiences of the fear of rejection is the temptation to go along with the crowd or peer, or peer pressure. And that crowd doesn't have to be large. Do you do, uh, uh, do you do things because another person has become the definition of cool, acceptable, or appropriate? Parents, resist the temptation to let your kids have the same things that their friends have or do the same things that their friends do. And kids, trust your parents in this. Let me tell you, what seems in or cool today will not be cool ten years from now. It is, far, <laughs> it is far more important that you learn today what it means to live in fear of God and not in fear of your peers, even if it means that you won't be the most popular person today. This fear is often manifested in our desire to be part of an inner circle or to have a favorable public opinion. This is even a more destructive sin when it's carried into the church. Would you find your pride or identity or value in attending a popular church with a well-known pastor? This is such a foolish thing, because there's always someone that can out-name drop you, and in the end, everything in this life is fading. If you struggle with realizing that this world is temporary, just walk around the museum looking at memorials and names. 
Try to name all of the past presidents, every vice president, and then their cabinet officials. You'll see how fast these once important names have slipped from memory and history. Another huge manifestation of the fear of rejection is favoritism. Again, scriptures is clear about how destructive this is to the gospel. James tells us, sorry, James tells us not to show favoritism to the rich or the powerful that come into our presence. This is what the world does because it craves acceptance and fears rejection. Christian community is not like this. Membership in a local church helps us to overcome our fear of rejection as we come together with people that may be like us or may not be like us in many ways. Yet our identity in Christ far surpasses them all. Another fear, uh, not sharing the gospel, is another manifestation of the fear of rejection. We demonstrate this fear of rejection when we fail to share the gospel out of a fear of how people will respond. Ed Welts so aptly says, Sometimes we would prefer to die for Christ rather than to live for him. However, if making a decision for Christ means that I might spend years being unpopular, ignored, poor, or criticized, then there are masses of Christians who temporarily put their faith on the shelf in order, in, 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 or, in other words, kill me, but don't keep me from being liked, appreciated, or respected. Aren't the most popular mission trips the ones that take us far away from our own neighborhoods? Russia is easy. Our own neighborhood is a constant challenge. Not confronting sin is another manifestation of the fear of rejection. We don't confront sin or we confront it differently in different ways depending on the person that we are confronting. This is especially tempting for those of us that are seeking to be involved in the lives of other people. In your discipleship relationships, are you reluctant to admonish someone not because you think that they need to be treated gently, but because you desire their approval or respect. Posture or attitudes towards others is another manifestation of the fear of rejection. We demonstrate this fear of rejection in our passivity towards others, waiting for them to initiate things like love, reconciliation, leadership, decisions, and righteousness. This doesn't mean that we should ignore social cues and just plow forward in the name of, of initiating, for that also fails to appropriately love and care for others. But do you refrain from doing things that you know is right because of fear of rejection? On a broader level, much that goes into programs and services in the evangelical churches is based upon the fear of rejection and the approval of others. We think that we need to give people what they want, Give them what research says that they prefer, so that our churches will be full and budgets will be met. Then we will have the ministries that we desire. Implicit in this philosophy of ministry is the desire for acceptance from others. Or maybe you are a church member and you do certain things, say certain things, spend time with certain people because you believe those things are necessary to be a good member in the eyes of other people. I want to be careful here and say that the answer is not to stop doing right things, but to pray for a heart that desires obedience to God, rather than a heart that fears rejection and desires the approval of man. Choice of words is another manifestation of the fear of rejection. Many types of speech that we engage in demonstrate fear of rejection. 
gossip, saying something behind someone's back that you would never say to their face. Or it's equally evil and more subtle twin flattery, saying to someone, someone's face something that you would never say behind their back. Lying, blame-shifting, self-justifying language, manipulation, changing the subject of a conversation or keeping it on to- a topic. These are all types of communications that flow out of a fear of rejection and desire for acceptance. So let me stop there because I know I'm going fast again. So we just went over eight different ways that you see the fear of rejection manifested. What are some tangible ways that you have seen the fear of rejection in your life or the world? Yes, sure. Missy. Thanks for sharing, John. That's good. Wow. Okay, good. Let's move on to point three in the handouts then. How fear of rejection and craving approval harms us. Besides the fact that fear of rejection is in conflict with fear of the Lord, what are some other ways it endangers us? First, it enslaves us to others. Lou Priolo says, being a people pleaser is like having a little handle on your back that others can grab a hold of and push and pull you in all directions. Second, love for praise actually undermines our receiving it. Lou Priolo says again, those from whom you long to receive honor and those for whom you desire to impress will eventually be offended, if not repulsed by the way you react. Third, heavenly rewards rewards are lost because we are not obedient to Scripture. Fourth, it causes us to increase, uh, increasingly become blind to our own sins. And fifth, it makes us more susceptible to being ensnared to flattery and, and, and deceit. And sixth, it causes us to be more susceptible to other sins, which is not surprising when it demotes God from a place of utmost fear and trust in our hearts. Things like hypocrisy, discontentment, greed, timidity, unteachability, indecision, are some of the sins that flow from a heart of rejection. 
a fear of rejection, that is, sorry. And seventh, it can also have a physical and psychological toll on us, such as like things like stomach problems, stress and tension, headaches, fatigue, depression, and mood, mood switch. Mood switch shifts. Mood switches. Mood shifts. Wow. <laughs> you change your mood. <laughs> Let's move on to topic four. How pride fuels our fear of rejection. If the fear of man is the fire that rages within our hearts, then pride is the, is the wood and oxygen that fuels that blaze. How does pride fuel the fear of man? Pride can do a variety of different things in relationship to the fear of man. Our pride can cause us to distort our sins and faults, either maximizing or minimizing them. Our pride will tempt us to seek praises from others. Our pride can cause us to misapply the praises we receive. Our pride will tempt us to overvalue our strengths and minimize our weaknesses. Our pride will tempt us to change our behavior and not our heart. Our pride will tempt us to dismiss our sins or weaknesses. We think that we, we want to believe that people's criticism is just their personal opinion because pride cannot handle criticism. So what are some ways that you see pride fueling fear of man in your life? Do you see that, ever see that going on in your own lives? How pride fuels the fear of man. Well, Cal was talking about work. I think a lot of times you choose very carefully what you make public for mm. to create a certain effect. Mm. I find that true for myself. I still, um, I still try to be. I, I strive for perfectionism at work. I design uh, very complex circuits, and when I do a good job, I'm always seeking the praise and approval of others. So I know that's my pride at work, just seeking to be a pra- You know, just seeking good ap- approval from others. Yeah, sure, Scott. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, you can see it affects us in all different ways, huh? Yeah, pride's a very powerful thing. Okay, let's move on to point number five then. So, should I ever seek to please others? We asked this question briefly in week one. It would be appropriate now to return to this question. We have, we have thought a lot about the ways we fear rejection, crave approval, and acceptance. Well, aren't there times and circumstances in which it is correct to seek approval? The short answer is yes, and let's look at some of those in Scripture. Scripture decide, de- describes ways in which we, we should seek to please others and gain their approval. In Proverbs 15.33 Scripture says that receiving honor and esteem and approval is not wrong. In fact, it is often a blessing that accompanies a righteous life. 
First, we should seek to please others as much as it is required for gospel ministry and proclamation. In 1 Timothy 3, verses 2 and 7, as Christians, we should seek a good reputation with outsiders. But again, this must be uh, tempered with the realization that this is for God's glory and praise and not our own. And ultimately, we must not find our identity or value in this type of approval. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23, that he has become all things to all men so that he might win a few for Christ. Paul recognized that there are times when it is not sinful to change oneself in order to be able to share the gospel with a particular audience. Second, we should seek to please others in relationship to pleasing and respecting our parents and authorities. It is not only appropriate, but it is also commanded. In Exodus, in Exodus 20.12, honor your father and mother that your days may go long for you. Again, this is within the context of not pleasing individuals above and beyond fearing and trusting in God. And in Titus 2, verses 9 to 8 says that a servant should not only be submissive to his master, but he should also well please, be faithful, and, dem- and not be argumentative. So in regards to your boss, there, there is nothing sinful about taking certain actions because you know that it will please them. In fact, if you know that your boss would would be pleased by you doing something a certain way and that thing is not sinful, it would be wrong for you to choose not to please your boss. Third, we seek to please others. If you are married, it is right for you to seek to please your spouse. If you are married or if you become married, this relationship supersedes all others. You are now responsible for pleasing your spouse and not your parents. This may involve setting aside previous beliefs, activities, or traditions. The desire for approval for one's parents should no longer be a concern, and this again doesn't mean you should disregard them. So how should one seek, uh, seek their spouse's approval? When talking, about, for, uh, when talking about 1 Corinthians 7, verses 32 to 34, Lou Priolo says, the Greek word used in verse 33, which is, trans, which is translated to, to please, is a word that has several nuances. Its root meaning is to fit in, but it can also mean to conform, to adapt, to satisfy, to soften one's heart, to meet with one's approval, and to accommodate. The word implies a pre-existing relationship between the one doing the pleasing and the one being pleased. While an unmarried Christian should have his mind focused almost exclusively on how he may please the Lord, the attention of a married Christian must be focused not only on pleasing the Lord, but also on pleasing his or her spouse. The Bible assumes that all married people will have their interests divided between pleasing Christ, which is the top priority, and pleasing their spouse. Fourth, we should seek to please others It is right to deny yourself of Christian liberties for the sake of not offending a weaker brother. Paul in Romans 15 describes what it means to serve and love another by not exercising the fullness of your liberties in their presence. Again, each situation calls for discernment and examination of your own motives. Are you denying your liberties for the sake of them not stumbling? Or are you changing your behavior because of fear of rejection like Peter did with the Judaizers in, in the book of Galatians? 
Again, in seeking to make the distinction between appropriate desires to please others and the fear of rejection, it is critical to be in transparent relationships with other Christians, to be honest with them about your thoughts and motives as best you can. Point six in your handouts, the fear of rejection in Scripture. Let's turn to Scripture again and look at people who have struggled with the fear of rejection. But before we do that, we should also, we should also note that the fear of rejection is a form of, of uh, I, uh, idolatry. First, we see that the fear of man falls in the category of idolatry as laid out by Paul in Romans 125. Men and women throughout Scripture and today turn other people into idols. This happens when we begin to think that people can give us something that God can't. When we believe that we can, when we believe that they can protect us in a way that God cannot, maybe from loneliness, discontentment, or a lack of control. When we add people to our worship portfolio, we act like God isn't good enough. We act like we need the, we need to fear people as a way of hedging our investments. Worshiping anyone or anything instead of God is just wicked. The next point under point six, temptation for those in authority. In Deuteronomy 117, it says, Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both the small and great alike. Do not, uh, do not be afraid of any man, for judgment belongs to God. In this verse, Moses recognizes our tendency of those in authority to treat people with partiality. Saul feared, feared rejection by the people. In Samuel 15, verse 18, Saul feared, feared David becoming king. He feared rejection of the people when the people desired to make David their king. The Jewish leadership feared rejection in John 12, verses 42 to 43. Yet at the same time, many of the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praises of men more than the praise of God. In one of the saddest statements in the gospel, many of the Jewish leaders would have believed in Christ if it was not for the fear of man. And Peter at Antioch with the Jews. Paul says in Galatians 2, verses 11 and 12, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was clearly in the wrong. Because certain men came from James... Peter used, uh, Peter used to eat with the, before certain men came from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he drew back and separated himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcised group. Here again we see Peter, this time giving in to fear of rejection, fear of rejection desiring the approval of a group of Judaizers, and in the process serving to confuse the gospel to the Gentiles. Pilate before the crowd. In Mark 15, 15, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate releases Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. In spite of, the, in spite of acknowledging that Jesus had done no crime, Pilate preferred to appease the masses and so became the custodian of the greatest mistrial in history. He desired popularity, peace, and approval more than fearing God. Which leads us to a last point in thinking about how we are tempted 
to fear rejection and how we, we overcome this fear of man. Point seven. Jesus was and is rejected by man. In Isaiah 53.3, he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Putting out fear of rejection and putting our fear of rejection in perspective. Jesus, the innocent one, experienced the most severe form of rejection. He was rejected by man and by God so that we would not be rejected by God and that we would no longer be enslaved to fearing those who God created. We understand based upon the rejection that Jesus endured that any rejection that we are called to face in this life will only be temporary. Just as the approval we so desperately seek to attain is fleeting, so any rejection we, we do experience will fade and be quickly forgotten. Isn't this true in your own life? Can you remember ways you feared being rejected when you were 10? Do you still feel, do you still fear the same, those same things? Probably not. Rejected that we might be accepted. In Ephesians 2, Paul describes how we are now accepted by God because we are in Christ. Brothers and sisters, you have received the greatest gift, approval and, approval and acceptance from God. This is the greatest gift that you'll ever, you'll ever receive. He is able to sympathize with our rejections. Finally, as we, as we looked at last week, according to Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16, because Jesus was rejected, he is able to sympathize with our rejections. Not only that, but because Jesus is our high priest, we can go to him directly with our fears. We can ask him for confidence that he would replace our fear, fears of people with a robust and complete fear of him. So next week, we'll look at the third category of the fear of man, which is the fear of physical harm. Is there any questions? I got three minutes. This is my longest time. <laughs> Usually it's like I got 15 minutes to spare here, man. It's like I'm like. <laughs> okay, let, uh, let me pray first, and, uh, and you guys can go grab a coffee before we have church. Father, just thank you for this time that we had today to be able to open up your word and study it. Father, we do realize that our fear of rejection does play a big influence in our lives, Father. And I pray you just give us the correct perspective there. Help us uh, to not fear others, but to fear you correctly. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks a lot.